Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. This is EPL Insights for Game Week 35. We're just about there. I'm Gareth Wheeler, Andrew Beasley with you, and data, as always, provided by InfoGoal. As you look back at the week that was and look ahead with our best picks and prognostication for the week ahead. Uh, the games are coming thick and fast. We're recording this on Thursday. The only game that hasn't been played at the time of recording is Brighton Manchester United. That goes Thursday. But Andrew, we're blessed with football Saturday, Sunday, and three games on Monday as well this week. Are you ready for it, for what's to come as we really are at the business end of the season? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's quite an interesting week. I think there's some games where it's hard to, to find some value and, and there's not always a clear pick in, in all of them. But as you say, plenty of football for us to enjoy and obviously a slightly strange weekend of fixtures with the coronation going on in the UK. So it's all been split up um, across the three days. We have a bank holiday on Monday. So, um, yeah, very very much an interesting weekend. But a lot of the games, I think, are quite hard to call. So uh, it should be interesting to see what we both think about them. I'm expecting loads of royalty or crown or king puns over the course of today's broadcast. Okay, so no pressure. I've set the over under at two and a half. So very modest, very modest expectations. Uh, look, all season long, we've been using the InfoGold data model to provide some extra insight. And the data has done us very well over the course of the season, as um, both Jake and I and you have been very profitable on this podcast. Another week of top, top picks uh, that were made on our last podcast and part of the InfoGold model, there's a table if you go to the website on the Premier League, and there's basically a couple different columns that we should kind of bring you up to speed on what they mean and how you can use them for your week-to-week betting. There's the expected table, which goes beyond the normal table, which the points rank in the normal table, top to bottom, first place to 20th place in the table. The expected table is based upon the InfoGoal model and their data using expected goals for and expected goals against and where these sides should be based upon what the data suggests to us. There's also an additional table that's called the forecasted table. And that's where InfoGoal in this model believes the sides will finish in the Premier League season. So th- there's a couple of things that's, that jump off the page. For example, Manchester United is fourth in the table, but based upon the expected model, they're overachieving. They're only, they're only the seventh best team, according to the InfoGoal model. Same thing with Aston Villa, seventh in the table. They're expected, based upon the data provided, it only has them build or put at 11th in the table as well. So we look at these tables that are presented. What sticks out to you, Andrew, based upon who's maybe punching above their weight, who is not, and how that may apply to the odds provided on Pinnacle? Yeah, it can be really useful because it gives a good um, insight into how teams have sort of actually been playing, what their underlying performance looks like, and you can strip away and ignore the results and maybe get some insight Um into who has been over or underperforming. Obviously, you mentioned a couple there. If you look at the chart, a couple more which stand out. I mean, both Bournemouth and Fulham are a lot higher in the table than their underlying performance suggests. They should both be in the thick of the relegation battle. Fulham very much out of it, and Bournemouth appear to be safe now. 
Um, so it can provide some interesting um, data for us, you know, if we're looking at match bets. Obviously, in the futures market now, with only a few games to go, it's not as, as much use. But there is one point of interest there. Um, the expected table shows that Forest are the worst side in the division, or they have been. They're um, forecast to finish third bottom. Yet, if you look at the pinnacle relegation market, they're actually fourth bottom, which implies that they should stay up. Um, according to Pinnacle, they're available at minus 115 to go down. The Infogol model would suggest that's a good bet because, um, as we say, they've been probably the worst team in the division. You look at their fixtures, obviously, we'll come on to talk about it. Southampton this weekend, huge game. Um, away at Chelsea, very hard to call at the moment, but then they've got Arsenal and they're away at Crystal Palace. And even with Chelsea's struggles, I mean, Forrest have been comfortably the worst away team in the division. Uh, I think it's one win all season. So everything sort of points to them um, possibly going down, and yet Pinnacle have them as fourth favourites. So that might be one to consider. I'm certainly interested in that one. That That's the one that jumps off the page, according to the model and data. You're right. Uh, Nottingham Forest expected to finish 20th, forecasted as 18th. And you can find them on the futures bets on Pinnacle at minus 115. There's nothing else that jumps off the page during this late juncture of the season, but things could potentially change. Liverpool still within a shout of potentially finishing top four. Can they chase down a Manchester United? We'll see. Difficult to to, 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 to wager a guess, especially sitting here today ahead of the Brighton Manchester United fixture on Thursday. But use that InfoGoal model whenever you can because we've been using it all season long and it, it's, it provides some really um, real and um, usable data. Uh, for your betting needs. Uh, let's head straight into the games this week. We will delve into our feature five, and then we'll spin it back and go rapid fire for the final five games of the week. Uh, the last game week, there was a couple games that were made up. Uh, Man- Manchester City and West Ham was played on Wednesday. Manchester City uh, won that match. Liverpool-Fulham with Liverpool with a home victory as well. And this Brighton-Manchester United game as well. We did not deal with these games, but perhaps some of the um, outcomes will be affected or will affect what we have to say about the games heading into this week. So let's get straight into it. And let's start off with a, a significant mismatch. It seems like this end of the season, Manchester City on a weekly basis has been playing a team that they're far better than. And, and the odds reflect that as well. It's Manchester City hosting Leeds United. Manchester City coming off that 3-0 victory over West Ham. West Ham almost didn't field a first team, especially at the back. Whether injuries played into things, I'm not so sure. It was almost like putting up the white flag to a certain degree. And the way the game played out, at times it seemed like the game was over and we were nowhere near finishing the 90 minutes. Uh, City have, haven't lost in 18 games in all competitions. They played to more than two and a half goals in nine of 10. They've been the first to score in eight of eight. So they're absolutely flying right now. As for Leeds United, they keep on getting drawn down um, into this relegation battle. They're just hovering just above the line. But they have big Sam Allardyce who's come in. 
to potentially save the day. What can Sam Allardyce do against the juggernaut that is Manchester City? Uh, Leeds haven't won in five, no clean sheets in 11. They played to more than two and a half goals in eight of nine. Both teams' scores come through in nine of nine. Head-to-head, City won at Ellen Road 3-1 earlier in the season. Uh, City won three straight games against Leeds. Leeds, no clean sheet in their last nine against Manchester City. These two sides have played to more than two and a half goals in six of seven. Uh, so things, this, this fixture has been full of goals and full of Manchester City being able to come away with a pretty convincing result. Is there any reason to believe, Andrew, that anything like other than that, that the, flip, the, 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 the script can be flipped between a team that's marching their way to another Premier League title, to another side that it's touch and go, whether they actually survive the drop this time around? No, I don't think so. I think you've got to, with this one, it's quite interesting with Sam Allardyce. I'm not sure if you saw his quote uh, this week. He was basically <laughs> saying he's up there with Pep Guardiola, Ola, Jurgen Klopp, guys like this. His record obviously does not suggest that. I mean, he's not managed clubs of the same standing, obviously. But, you know, I had a, had a look. He play, he's played a Pep side, well, Manchester City, four times um, against the Guardiola side. And the scores, um, Allardyce first, 0-3, 0-5, 1-3, 0-5. So that's what 16 goals conceded, one scored. Um, he's taken various teams and played City 13 times in the last decade. He did get one win, but he also got 12 defeats. And I think the only thing that can possibly help Leeds in any small way is that City have um, Real Madrid away in their following game. But whilst that might play on their mind a little bit, as we've seen with other games this season, what City will try to do is probably be three goals up by half time and then take Haaland off and, and do those sorts of things. It's not that they'll be so distracted they won't win. They'll just try and win early and then ring the changes if they can. And ultimately, when you look at the, I mean, without even digging into the underlying data, I mean, the the simple goals scored and goals conceded, it's the best attack in the division against the worst defence. I mean, Ilan Melier is among the worst goalkeepers in the big five leagues. I, I checked earlier this week and he was second only to Bazunu at uh, Southampton for, for most goals conceded against sort of expected goals. Um, second worst performance in Europe's top five leagues. And I think with Leeds as well, I mean, you, you look at some of their recent games. I mean, obviously, you know, they conceded six to Liverpool and, and Liverpool are capable of that sort of thing. We've seen this season, but obviously Liverpool have been very poor away from home, and yet they still managed to score six. And then, you know, teams they've played like Bournemouth and, and Palace have generally scored about a goal a game, and Bournemouth scored four and Palace got, scored five. So it's very, very difficult to see, you know, despite what Allardyce might say about his reputation, you know, with a few days to work with the worst defence in the division, is he going to be able to do enough to to keep the top-scoring team at bay? I just can't see it. I just can't see it. Um it's interesting. I've pulled up the live odds now. I mean, uh, the handicap, Man City minus 225 was at minus 102 a couple of hours ago when I did my research. It's now showing at minus 107. Um, over 3.5 goals, I jotted down as minus 113. It's now minus 122. Um, the line is now set at over 3.75 at plus 101. I mean, I think I'd probably go for that. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't rule out Leeds Scoring, Manchester City don't keep that many clean sheets at home and clearly Leeds have got to try something with the position they're in. But um, over 3.75 goals with Leeds defence and City's attack, I mean, that looks a pretty good bet to me. Yeah, 
I, I just don't see there being a way forward for Sam Allardice. That's what you call him so he can get a little bit of respect. Those are the two variables, Allardyce in and Real Madrid and the Champions League next week for Manchester City. I, I still think City wins this game. How much they pour it on, that depends about all about what Leeds brings to the table, doesn't it? This U- Leeds United team, for all of their flaws, manages to find the back of the net. Scored against Bournemouth, scored against Leicester, scored against Fulham, scored against Liverpool in a 6-1 loss, scored against Palace, scored against Forest, scored against Arsenal, scored... Like, they score virtually every game, and we well-documented City's defensive frailties on the back line as well. So the best play, the best value that I can find, and I search because I I, I don't want to touch the total at 3.75 in case it's like white flag city again, very much like West Ham. Like they just got to the three total, uh, but the handicap for that game was 3.25. Um, it's all about what leads can bring to the table. I think that leads can score, but they might absolutely get pummeled on the day. So both teams to score plus a Manchester City victory comes in at plus 161. I think that's worth a pl- at least a half play. So I'll commit to making a half play on that. Um, Leeds did score against City earlier this season as well. So a half play, both teams to score, plus Manchester City win at plus 161. I looked, City to win, minus 580. The draw, plus 776, plus 1361 for a Leeds United victory. That shows you where the odds stand at current time. So that's the best I could do. But to your point, Andrew, I, w- I wouldn't... Um, try to persuade anyone against playing Manchester City on the handicap as well. But the longer you wait, I think the odds are going to continue to shift and not play in your favor. So if you're not doing it right away, then it might go too far out to make it even playable at this point. Is that kind of your approach as well? Yeah, anyone listening should just pause the podcast, pull up their Pinnacle website (laughs) or app, put the bet on and then listen to the rest, I think. Because as you say, as I've said, you know, the prices have shifted since I looked a couple of hours ago and and probably only keep moving as uh, as we get nearer to kickoff. All right, uh, let's move things forward. Uh, Liverpool stay at Anfield and welcome another London side into town as they take on Brentford this weekend. Liverpool's rolling five wins in a row coming off the 1-0 victory over Fulham, but a little controversy yet again with another penalty. I'll let Andrew get into this. I just can't go there anymore when it comes to Liverpool. But Jurgen Klopp, a very happy man by the way that things played out. And much more straightforward. It it wasn't a vintage Liverpool home performance, um, but certainly a lot less thrilling than the 4-3 victory against Spurs at home the timeout before. Uh, No losses in seven for Liverpool overall, they played to over the two and a half goal total in five of six. Both teams' scores played in five of six as well. Brentford back in the business, helping me out with the benefit of a late injury for Nottingham Forest. They'd already made all their changes. It was 10 v 10 in Brentford with a late winner at home to beat Nottingham Forest 2 1 in that game. Uh, De Silva, 90 plus four, provided the full three points for Brentford, a team that had been stumbling a little bit as of late, despite having a very good season. Brentford now haven't lost in their last three. Head-to-head Brentford without a clean sheet against Liverpool in their last three. Brentford did beat Liverpool at home 3-1 earlier this season, a resounding victory, but it was Liverpool beating Brentford in this fixture at Anfield last season, 3-0. And both, by the way, this the theme of three it continues because in the other match last season, Brentford versus Liverpool ended in a 3-3 final. 
So are you expecting three goals in this one exactly based upon that theme continuing, Andrew? What do you make of this fixture? Yeah, I think there'll probably be um, three goals. I mean, just to talk about the the Fulham game very briefly. I mean, how does a game between Liverpool and Fulham not pay out on the overs? I mean, that was, I that was a real surprise. It was Only a losing was a- bet for me. Losing bet for me. I don't know if you made it, but I, I took the big loss in that game. Uh, yeah, I think I had Liverpool and over 2.5. I thought that was um, was pretty likely. But, um, you know, yeah, only, only settled by a soft penalty and, and not that many um, big chances. But, um, yeah, looking ahead to this one, I mean, I think it's a game Liverpool should win. They have more to play for than Brentford. I mean, you know, I don't think they're going to finish in the top four. But obviously, if they can win before Newcastle and Manchester United play, it at least puts a little bit of pressure on. So I think they've got more to play for than Brentford. And that means they should um, win. What I would say, though, that the, the strengths of Brentford, set pieces and, and counter-attacks, they're the third top scorers for both of those. They're areas of Liverpool weakness, I think counter-attacks particularly. But we've seen um, in the last two seasons how Brentford can punish um, Liverpool from set pieces. And I think they could do so again. So I'm thinking, um, as there's no real value in just a straight home win, as much as I do think Liverpool probably will win. I think you've got to be looking to sort of combine both teams to score over 2.5 goals, maybe with a Liverpool win. Um, I think both teams to score and over 2.5 goals at minus 104 looks a pretty safe bet. Um, Or both teams to score and Liverpool win is available at plus 192, something like that. But um, it was 3-0 last season, as you say, at Anfield, and Liverpool didn't have um, Salah or Mane because it was during the African Cup of Nations. So with a decent, um, sort of stronger attack than they would have fielded that day, pretty confident that, that Liverpool can win and we should see a few goals. Yeah, Brentford has, has been a much better side at home than they have been away. In fact, they, they've lost, the, well, they beat Chelsea 2-0 um, away last time out, which is which was a step in the right direction before that. Lost 2-0 at Wolves, 1-0 at Manchester United, uh, 3-3 draw at Brentford. Um so they haven't been able to come away with results. I agree with your play. That was the first thing that I looked at, both teams to score in over two and a half. I think this is going to be a little bit of a difficult game for Liverpool. Um, and even against Fulham without Mitrovic, a team that certainly wasn't playing their best 11, had problems. Just they, they gave up some chances to Fulham. And there are these defensive errors that continue to creep into the team especially on the counterattack. That's how Nottingham Forest scored twice against them. I think Brentford are much better than Nottingham Forest. Uh, I wouldn't shy away from making the play uh, on the handicap plus 1.25 at minus 116 or minus 116. And so if Liverpool win by a goal, it's a half win for your bet. I think that Brentford can keep this close. Uh, Liverpool, it's going to be their, their third game in a week. Uh, that's a little bit difficult. Uh, Brentford coming off a, a home win that's pushing them in the right direction. The, their play model is very well organized. Like the way that they play, like uh, although they haven't come up with some results in recent weeks, they're still dangerous with Tony. I think they're well organized, workmanlike in the midfield. I think it's going to be a tough game for Liverpool and things have been going really well for them. This was one of the games I kind of circled, even though they're playing at home and they being exceptionally dominant on the season. The InfoGo model has them as like, the, the highest uh, 
the highest expected goals away from home, even better than the Manchester City. And quite some, like by comparison, they both played 17 home games. Liverpool, 45 XG at home. Manchester City, 41.5. Like there's a little bit of a gap there. Think about how dominant Manchester City has been. So definitely goals. Um, it's just whether Brentford can keep it close or not. So I think you're right. The safest play, both teams to score over two and a half at minus 104. So alignment there. And by the way, it's very mature of you to acknowledge it was a soft penalty given in that game against Fulham. So oh, I could be honest. I mean, I, you know, I complain about lots of penalties that Liverpool don't get given. So you have to be honest with that one. I mean, I think it was a penalty, but it was very soft, very soft. Yeah. Lucky to get that one. Moving things forward, it's the game of the weekend. It is Newcastle and Arsenal. Um, looking forward to this fixture because this is kind of the last stand for Arsenal. I mean, they're they're far out in terms of the odds. They're likely not going to catch Manchester City, but this was their most difficult game on the upcoming schedule for them. Uh, going to Newcastle, playing a team that's pretty firmly, pretty comfortably in third place in the Premier League table. A Newcastle win in this game plays at plus 147, the draw at plus 281, and an Arsenal win at plus 177. Uh, Arsenal coming into this game uh, on, on the weekend um, went out and beat Chelsea on Tuesday. I should say it was a three-one final. They rushed out to a three-nil lead, completely outclassed Chelsea throughout that game. As for Newcastle, conceded first against Southampton, ended up winning that game in a three-one final. For Newcastle, they won three straight games without a clean sheet in six. However, they played to more than two and a half goals in six of six, and both teams with score has played in five of six. Uh, Arsenal without a clean sheet in eight. They played to more than two and a half goals in seven of seven. And guess what? Both teams of scorers played in eight of their last eight. Um, when these two sides played at the Emirates earlier this season, they played to a goalless draw. There was time wasting, a lot of fouling. It was cagey. Eddie Howe side really set up to come away with a point, and they were thrilled to go away with that at that time. I guess the red hot Arsenal team at that juncture of the season. A head to head, they played to less than two and a half goals in five of six. So based upon all of that, the form suggests that although both sides continue to win games, they're both conceding goals. Yet in this fixture earlier this season, Andrew, there was literally nothing between the two teams. So how do you prognosticate? How do you look ahead to this one and come up with a clear train of thought about what we can expect this weekend? Yeah, it's, uh, it's worth looking at the InfoGoal uh, data for the last meeting because it was 1.07 to 1.08 on expected goals. I mean, not sure I've ever seen a tie, a dead heat. That's about as close as you're going to get. Um, with regards to this one, I mean, I, I'm sort of strongly on the, the Newcastle train. I think they stand a very good chance of winning. I mean, when you look at Arsenal's season, it, it, they've sort of um, been almost doing a tribute version of some Arsene Wenger seasons. I mean, they've challenged for the title. They're probably going to fall short. And a lot of their problems have come when they've gone to the north of England. I mean, they've lost at Everton. They lost at both Manchester clubs. And while they got a draw at Anfield, I mean, Liverpool racked up one of the highest expected goal totals you'll ever see for a team that didn't win a game. So Newcastle are the favourite. But if you look at the underlying data, their price should be should be a lot shorter, really. They won this game 2-0 last season. Got a valid draw at the Emirates, as we've just said. Had a couple of big chances themselves in that game. So I, I'm sort of confident that Newcastle can win. That's available at plus 147 at present. 
Obviously, if you're feeling a little more cautious on the handicap, Newcastle at, at zero is minus 118. But I, I've got a good feeling for them for this game. I'm not sure that, you know, Arsenal are going to have too much left in the tank. They're presumably going to be four points behind at kickoff um, with an unassailable goal difference lead. So I'm sure they'll give it everything they've got. But with Newcastle's home form, just one defeat all season to Liverpool when they had a man sent off in the first half, I think you've got to go with Newcastle in some capacity. Yeah, um, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the safest play is on the handicap. It's a draw, no bet. So it's at zero, Newcastle uh, at minus 118. Uh, mm-hmm. So if the game does end in a draw, you do get your money back. Newcastle, the second best team, according to Info Goal, in terms of expected goal differential at home. There's Manchester City on 27, Newcastle through 16 games at 25.3. That's better than Liverpool, Arsenal, Brighton, Manchester United, all sides that have played very well at home this season. St. James's Park has been an absolute fortress. I do also think that the game will play out differently than it did earlier in the season because both these sides kind of had really good starts. They weren't necessarily expected to be as high in the table as that at that time as they were. And I think both sides played it safe by virtue of the fact that Newcastle in third place uh, entering ahead of the Manchester United Brighton game, they could find themselves in fourth. There's a little bit of a cushion there. They're playing at home. They're going to kind of, I think be a little bit more comfortable going out and attacking an Arsenal side that's shown defensive frailties in recent week. And Arsenal have to go for it, right? Like they're they're not playing for a point here. They have to pick up three points. So I don't think an over three um, at plus 107 is out of the question. At a plus number, at a decent plus number, I think I'll make a half play there as well. So two plays for me in this game. It just can't play out the way that the last time that they met. And based upon track record, I, you know, I, I documented it. Like more than two goals for both sides combined in the last 13 games. Both teams to score. Eight out of eight for New, uh, Arsenal. Uh, five out of six for Newcastle. It's just the way that they've been trending. And I expect that trend to continue. Sometimes you're like, no, 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 it's going to stop here. Two very good teams. I think they both can play with the freedom to go in an attack in this game. Um, be brave and try to be rewarded. That's kind of how I'm approaching it. Do you, do you agree to kind of see things the same way? Um, I think I'd probably take the unders in the in the goals, really? to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think I would. I mean, obviously, as we said, depends how much faith you put in it. I mean, none of the last six meetings have seen both teams score and only one of them saw over 2.5 goals. So generally the games have been tight. Um, as you say, they've got to go for it. And I guess that that can affect things. Obviously at the sort of this end of the season, you do tend to get some strange score lines and things yeah. like that. But my, my gut instinct is to to take the under three at minus 120. But um, yeah, we'll, we obviously disagree on that. We'll have to see how that one plays out. I, I'm, I'm it, you know, I'm, it's all the game's also on Sunday, and I'm betting context here. It's all about the context and not the history between these two sides. I, I hope that that's going to be the outcome because I think it could be a very watchable game uh, for the for the neutral as well. So we'll see how that plays out. That's one of two games on Sunday. The other match on Sunday is West Ham United hosting Manchester United. West Ham, as I mentioned, threw up the white flag against Manchester City midweek. It was just just abysmal to watch 
and this team just continues to struggle. Uh, they have bigger games and more winnable games to come, but that's also coming off the heels of a 4-3 loss against Crystal Palace, which is keeping them hovering just above that trailing pack of five. Uh, can you still consider West Ham being in the relegation mix? Are you still putting them there, Andrew? I'm not, but obviously every weekend or every match week at the moment, the results seem to sort of tip things one way or the other. And it gets quite hard to to say. I mean, obviously West Ham have still got to play both Leicester and Leeds, which is obviously huge in the final week of the season or the final two weeks of the season, I should say. So obviously if those teams have caught up, then the pressure will be on West Ham because um, well, obviously we'll talk about the game against Manchester United. They've then got to go to Brentford. And as we've said, Brentford are have been very good at home and West Ham have the distraction of their of their European semi-finals. There's there's a lot of factors. I think they'll be okay, but it doesn't, it's not going to take much for it to sort of tip against them. Yeah. Um West Ham have lost three. I do still consider them in the relegation zone. That, that's where it stops for me. I think Wolves on 37 are fine. 34 yeah. points. They, they cannot feel comfortable right now, and they're not playing well. Um, three straight losses without a clean sheet in three. They played two more than two and a half goals in six of six, and both teams to score in five of seven. As you mentioned off the top, Manchester United played Brighton away on Thursday. Quick turnaround, playing again away um, at West Ham on Sunday. They did, Manchester United, beat Aston Villa in the last Premier League game before this week, 1-0 last week. But that's been the trend with Manchester United, win their games at home, struggle in terms of their away form. Head-to-head, United beat West Ham in the FA Cup last time they played. 3-1 was the final. And Manchester United, also at Old Trafford earlier this season, uh, beat West Ham 1-0. Uh, at West Ham, uh, things have been a little bit different and much more competitive in recent years. So uh, what do we expect from this one? A West Ham victory at plus 240, a draw at plus 286, and for Manchester United to win outright, plus 110. The total is set at 2.75 for this game. Well, this is one of those games, um, I think I mentioned at the start, very difficult to call. I'm really not sure which way this is going to go, basically for the reasons you've just said. Manchester United have been very erratic um, away from home. But what we can say, at least, is that they've generally been good against the struggling sides. They've won all six of their aways against the current bottom seven. Five of those were 1-0 or 2-0. The other was was 2-1. I sort of feel like West Ham have probably got a bit more about them than a lot of those teams. Um, at the bottom end of the table. We mentioned recently how they've scored far fewer goals than they should have based on the on the chances. And obviously, West um, Manchester United have got a bit of a patched-up defence at present, as we, as we said. We've also said, as we're recording this, we don't know how they'll get on tonight when they play Brighton. I mean, that's a tough game and a, and a quick turnaround on that to have to play Sunday, albeit it's Sunday night game, 7pm kickoff in the UK. So, you know, a little bit, a couple of hours extra there could make all the difference. But um, whilst it's tough to call, I'm certainly inclined to to think there'll be goals. Um, only one of the last four meetings in London did not see both teams score in at least three goals. So I was thinking about possibly going for that. Both teams to score in over 2.5 is currently available at minus 101. Um, or interestingly, I think um, both teams to score Manchester United to win is plus 289. I think that's, um, you know, I wouldn't go heavy on that, but I think that's probably going to be the outcome. Uh, I find it impossible to bet West Ham right now. 
I just, I don't know, Andrew. I just, when I watch them play, it's it's lifeless. It lacks ideas. You're getting Manchester United on a plus number to win this game. And again, we're not sure what's going to happen at Brighton, but a plus number to win this game against a team that they're either, well, it could be 30 points better than in the table <laughs> entering this one. United entering the Brighton game around 63, West Ham around 34. That's a massive gulp. You, you, gulf between the two, like they've almost doubled up West Ham in terms of points. Going to be a plus number for a better United side to go to West Ham to win. I'm going to take it. United to win at plus one ten. The only, the only I, thing I, we could say, the only thing we could say here, we obviously referred to the Infogol slope graph earlier. I mean, West Ham are only three places behind Manchester yeah. United on that. So obviously, the underlying performance tells a vastly different story to the to the table for both these teams. So there is that to, to factor in. But no, I, I think Manchester United will probably win. But I can see both teams scoring. I can see. West Ham at least getting a goal. But we should also mention on the model, West Ham United, a lot of that gap in terms of their expected goal differential, they're one of the better teams away from home in terms of expected goal differential. At home, they're bang average. Uh, 22 goals scored, 23 against. Uh, They have a plus 2.8 expected goal differential, but it's away from home where that gap is kind of mitigated a little bit. But their home form is being just... You know, West Ham are, are ahead of Manchester United, Spurs, Palace in terms of their away form. It's just their their home form has just really not done the job for them this season. So uh, that's where we stand on that. Let, let's go into the final game of our feature five. Uh, one of three games that are going to be played on Monday night. It's Nottingham Forest against Southampton. This is a real relegation battle. Uh, many people have Southampton already done and dusted. They're going down and making that argument is well understandable based upon the way that things continue to go for Southampton. They lost at Newcastle last week. They haven't won a game in nine and they haven't picked up a clean sheet in eight. Um, I, have you already relegated Southampton? Is that kind of your approach, Andrew? Or you, does this game really mean anything? I, I guess mathematically it would keep them alive, but. What what does this game mean for Southampton exactly? Yeah, it's a tough one to call in that sense because I I think Southampton have got a chance of getting a win here, um, but at the same time I you know you also asked do I think they're down? Yes, I do. I think you know even if they win here, I don't think it will be enough to to save them. I mean, this is basically their last chance saloon, and I and I think it's heading that way a little bit for for Forest. I guess a lot might depend on what the atmosphere is like. Will the crowd be raucous? Will they be nervous? You know. Who knows how it's going to play out from from that perspective. Um, But if you look at the sort of form for both teams, I mean, it's probably fair to assume there won't be too many goals. Um, Forrest have played eight homes against bottom half teams and Southampton have played eight aways at bottom half teams. And both have seen uh, six of those pay out on under 2.5 goals. So based on that, you know, under 2.5 at minus 116 uh, looks like it could be an interesting uh, play obviously we've referred earlier to the infragol model and the and the table. I mean, Forest are the worst team on it. Um, so the so the data says that Southampton backing Southampton um, is would be a value play. But I mean, it's at two fifty three. I mean, you know, I'm not that confident that Southampton can win. Forest have been pretty good um, at home this season, but then you know Southampton I think have been better away from home than at home, a bit like West Ham. So. 
I wouldn't rule out a Southampton win, but I think even if they get it there, they're probably going down, aren't they? Right. Six, six points adrift with four to play. I mean, it would be the biggest of all escapes, I think, if they could pull that off. Well, it, it's absolutely a must-win for any chance for Southampton. I'm putting yeah. this into a must-win category for Nottingham Forest as well. You're playing the team at the bottom of the table. <laughs> You're right in this mix with other teams where you can really be rewarded by coming away with three points rather than one. Nottingham Forest won their last game at home over Brighton. 3-1 was the final. And they've been on the balance good. Their home form has kept them in the mix to survive this season. Although Nottingham Forest, without a clean sheet in their last 13, both teams to score has played in 8 of 10 as well. Uh, earlier this season in this fixture, Forest went to Southampton and won 1-0 in this game. And their head-to-heads, um, nothing really to speak of just in terms of trends. But before that win at home for Forest, they'd lost to Manchester United, drawn Wolves, lost in Newcastle, drawn Everton. Um I actually think it's kind of the same logic as Newcastle Arsenal on the other side of the table. I think that both teams need to be aggressive here. And Taylor Navis continues to be absolutely sensational for Nottingham Forest, but defensively they're all over the shop. I think the best play in this game and Southampton's a team that's showing the ability to find the back of the net, despite their struggles. Like they scored at St. James's park. They scored three um, three at Arsenal. These are two of the toughest places to go. St. James's Park and the Emirates. I know Nottingham Forest, their home form on the balance of it has been good this season, but I at least think Southampton can go there and score. I like both teams to score at minus 117. That's my play. I'm not sure who's going to win this game. I think it's very much up for grabs. Um, when you're looking at the odds, uh, Nottingham Forest plus 115 to win. The draw is plus 259. Plus 253. I think the Southampton might be a little bit short here because you said it like they've been a much better side away from home than they have been at home. So I think it's a little bit closer. I'd be tempted to play that 0.25 um, on the handicap with Southampton at plus 106, but I'm not 100% confident there. So I'm going to stick with both teams to score. It wouldn't surprise me if either team won this game, um, but I do think that both teams can find the back of the net. Anything else to, to add in this game? It's it's a tricky one, and it mm. could be a really good game and a big game in terms of having implications at the bottom of the table as well, obviously. Yeah, it is It is a tough one to call. I've got no real strong feelings on a, on a play for this one, as I say. I mean, the, the form book suggests there won't be many goals, but if one of the sides scores early, then we, then we could have chaos. I think this could be 3-3 or it could be anything, really. I mean, very difficult to call, but... As you say, both teams have have really got to go for it. I mean, a point doesn't do Forest much good, a bit better than Southampton. But yeah, really, it's, it's both teams have got to try and win this. Yeah, Southampton has more away points than they do at home on the season. They have 14 to 10. And Nottingham Forest, just by virtue of their home form, 6-6-5 six, six, and five at home, 24 points at home is more than Chelsea at home on the season. Just wild. And better than Bournemouth, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Leicester City, Southampton as well. So... Um, it should be a good one. We'll, we'll see. Kind of the game kind of suits both of these teams, doesn't it? So we'll see how it plays out over the course of the weekend. Let's go rapid fire for the final five games on Saturday. It's Bournemouth and Chelsea. Are you brave enough, young man, to make a Chelsea bet under any circumstances? 
Frank Lampard, just L after L after L after L. It's just unbelievable the way that it's trended, trending. And, and Bournemouth continues to impress under Gary O'Neill. It looks like, you know, when, when he was first given the job, uh, the interim job, he did really well. Then he was given the full-time job and there was a dip. But, man, he's got his team fighting in some really good form here to finish the season. So, so what do you make of this fixture? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, who would have thought that Bournemouth and Chelsea would be level on points with about four weeks of the season to go? I mean, nobody, nobody would have predicted that. As good as Bournemouth have been relatively, obviously Chelsea have been have been bad. I mean, you know, Bournemouth lost 2-0 at Chelsea last time out, but they did have two wins and a draw from the three meetings prior to that. Very difficult to know what to play here. But I have to say Bournemouth at plus 261 does look quite interesting just for a small, a small little bet because... Chelsea have been that bad. So I don't think a Bournemouth win would, would surprise anybody. So I'd, I'd be tempted by that. If you want to play a bit safer, obviously you've got the handicap plus 0.25 is available at plus 108. I think Bournemouth could probably get something here. I think so too. Chelsea, just to put this into context, Chelsea have lost six straight. They haven't won in nine. No clean sheet in six. Th- th- those are just miserable numbers. Um, if I'm gonna go somewhere, and I got burned up, it was one of my one of my few you know my, my few poor plays from last week. I just thought that Chelsea in the under is always the way to go, and Arsenal roared out to this three 0 lead very very quickly. Um, and I was he- hoping that it would stay on three, and y- you know it's a push. Instead, um, they went out and found a consolation goal. I'm tempted to play the under two and a half here at minus 112, but I think I'm just going to stay away entirely. I'm just going to, I don't know. You, I, I, this Chelsea team, the way that they're playing, they're too much talent to be this bad, but are they? Like, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a tough one, especially going to Bournemouth, who looks safe now. Um, so no play for me in this game. I won't ramble on any further. Let's move on to Wolves and Aston Villa. Villa finally had a setback, their first loss in 11 games when they lost at Old Trafford last week. And Wolves, completely embarrassed, smashed 6-0 against Brighton. Is there going to be a response from Julian Lopetegui's side in this one? Because oftentimes when you get beat like this, there is a response, especially kind of when you're playing a rival club in Aston Villa as well. Yeah, I think so. I was sort of thinking about what the atmosphere at their training ground must have been like this week after getting beat 6-0. I mean, you know, he's um, Lopetegui's obviously reputation is built on being very difficult to beat. And we've seen that with Wolves this season um, or in the majority of their games, at least. Lots of 1-0 wins, 1-0 defeats, you know, a lot of close games. So for them to get beat 6-0, I imagine he's been uh, working them particularly hard um, this week. He obviously won't want a repeat of that one. I mean, just mentioned it slightly sort of there. I mean, five of their last six at home have been wins or defeats to nil, nothing more than a two nil. Um, five of Villa's last six away from home have all been under 2.5 goals. So, I mean, inevitably, I'm looking at the unders, really. Um, I'm not sure there's much else to be to be said for this. Um, under 2.25 is minus 108. Um, I mean, obviously, Villa are in good form. Maybe they could, um, you know, get a couple of goals and, and something like that. But after what happened last time, I think, you know, Lopetegui's going to want Wolves to be defensively strong. So I think I think a low-scoring game for this one. Yeah, it, it could do. I was thinking both teams to score. Um, but Wolves haven't lost Aston Villa in their last four. 
Um, and they drew earlier this season 1-1. I think a plus number on the handicap, draw no bet for Wolves makes a lot of sense. Could very well end in a draw. You get your money back at plus 113. Villa's the better side here, but they are rivals. I think, do think that there will be a response in this game. That that number's a little bit slow because other than the 1-1, last season we saw a 2-1 and a 3-2 between these two sides. So I kind of want to stay away from the total. I consider both teams to score, but I think the play here would be Wolves on the handicap. At this stage of the season, so a draw is not a bad result for, for Aston Villa if they go into this game. Um, they gave it a great try against Manchester United last weekend, came up short. I just I, I can't get away from the thought that there's going to be response in a game like this by Wolves. Um, so again, yeah. I guess context is going over data uh, <laughs> in this context. But you're right, Wolves have generally played much better at home. So let's hope for a good home performance and a plus number on the Draw no bet. Uh, good enough for me. Uh, T- Tottenham Hotspur and Crystal Palace upcoming on Saturday. Palace flying, coming off a 4-3 victory. Spurs coming off the disappointment of a 4-3 loss. Can we expect another seven-goal thriller in this game? I mean, maybe not a seven-goal <laughs> thriller, but I, I think certainly I think there's a good chance for for quite a lot of goals I mean there normally is when these teams play each other um finished 4-0 Spurs earlier this season um before that you had a couple of 3-0s a 4-1 Tottenham prior to that um so there generally is goals in this um game in this fixture and I and I don't really know who I think could possibly win you just don't know what you're going to get from Tottenham Crystal Palace can play with a bit of freedom um, but obviously they don't have a great record at Tottenham. So I'm really not sure which way to, to go in terms of the result. But I think um, over 2.75 goals at plus 103. I mean, I think that's my bet of the week, to be honest. I, I can't see any way there's not at least three goals with with the attacks in the, on display in this game, but also the slightly shaky defences. Totally. I completely agree with you. I circled that one right away. I mean, Spurs is quite clear, Andrew. They simply can't defend. It's like defensive error against defensive error. But when they're ticking over, they're playing back at home. There's going to be some expectation with Mm -hmm. Ryan Mason there. Last game at home against Manchester United. After an abysmal first half, they created a lot of chances. They had a XG of, 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 I believe, 2.7 in that game or close to it. Like, uh, And they could have scored more than just just the two. Um, and, and Spurs, I mean, again, the, the, the defensive play without a clean sheet in eight, and they played to over two and a half in, in five of five and head to head. These two teams have played to over two and a half goals in four of five. So yeah. over 2.75 plus one Oh three, let's make it my best bet. Let's make it the podcast best bet of the week. Okay. Let's lock it in over Spurs and crystal palace and hope for goals this weekend. Uh, Fast forward to Monday in the two remaining fixtures, Fulham and Leicester City. Uh, Leicester uh, Leicester City starting to show some late season life. Fulham looks like they're just playing out the string, but they're playing at home, and that's generally mean goal scored at Craven Cottage. Uh, what do you make of this fixture? Yeah, it seems to be one to uh, go for the goals, doesn't it, really? I mean, I'm quite tempted by Leicester um, for the win. Um they lost the reverse fixture 1-0, but they did miss three clear-cut chances in that game. Um, they've got Newcastle and Liverpool to come before West Ham on the final day. So I think yeah. this is probably Leicester's best chance to get some breathing room for a week or two um, before they get to the end. 
Um, when you look at their Leicester's aways against everyone between fifth and thirteenth, um, they all saw both teams to score pay pay out, and they all but one of them saw over two point five goals. And obviously, Fulham and the overs has been the the theme of the season, as we've um, often said. So I think some combination of both teams to score and and over two point five goals is the way to go. I mean, just over two point five is minus one one eight. I think we presumably would both expect that to uh, to come in. This was one of my worst beats on the season when I played the over last time around and it finished in a 1-0 victory for Fulham. But I, I'm not going to have buyer's remorse here because neither one of these sides can keep a clean sheet. Fulham without a clean sheet in 10, Leicester City without a clean sheet in 15. And guess what? Both teams have scored in this fixture five out of their last seven. So both teams have scored. It's a little bit too far out for me at minus 142. But that means there's going to be goals scored in this game. I mean, under under Dean Smith, Leicester City have looked much more much more accomplished side in attack, but they're still making those defensive mistakes. They're too mm. far open at the back. So let's go over two and a half at minus one eighteen. Um, and perhaps a lot of buyer's remorse for the second time in this fixture, but I'm hoping that isn't the case. I remember I was so confident earlier this season on the podcast. Definitely Leicester City, Fulham, over, 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 <laughs> over to the moon, and ended up eating my own foot. So um, it happens from time to time. Let's hope it doesn't happen twice on the balance of the season. The final fixture of the weekend, it's Brighton against Everton. Again, Brighton playing Thursday at home against Manchester United. Not so sure how that's going to play up. Everton, man, just looking dire. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm not sure what there's to like. They did grind out that 2-2 draw at Leicester City. There's no way that Michael Keane can remain in the team, can he? He just looks a million miles off it. A mistake waiting to happen. Um, what do you make of this fixture? I mean, on paper, Brighton's by far the better side. But Everton just need to start picking up more than a point here, point there in order to ensure survival. Yeah, well, obviously, they'll, you know, when they kick off Everton, they'll know what's happened in the, the Leicester game and the Leeds game. So they'll, they'll have a bit of an idea of, of where they stand, um, you know, going into their game. I think when you look at the last two fixtures, Brighton won both um, games featuring five goals, a 3-2 and a 4-1. Although those were at Goodison, the last two at Brighton was a 2-0 Everton win and a, and a nil-nil draw. Um Again, I would fully expect Brighton to win, but I'm not sure there's anything that, that stands out hugely. Um, I thought Brighton and over 2.5 goals at minus 101, possibly. Um, you know, I don't have much faith at all in Everton. And then, you know, they played pretty well at Leicester last week, but Brighton, much tougher, much tougher task than that. So, um, yeah, I'm inclined to think Brighton and an over 2.5, but I'm not sure. This is one where we might need to see what's happened elsewhere and, you know, is a point a good result for Everton or not and these sorts of things. But, um, yeah, I I think Brighton will have too much for them. Well, the approach from Sean Deitch will be interesting because can they keep this Brighton team from finding the back of the net multiple times? I I don't know. The interesting one is the team total for Brighton is set at 2.5 goals scored. So if Brighton score three, it plays at plus 142. Like that's a, I'm tempted by that number. If you like the total and the over, it's three at minus 100. Um, and and if, it, if the goal total lands on three, then it's a push. 
The handicap's a big one too, minus a goal and a half. Mm. That seems if you think that Everton can keep this close, playing Everton on the handicaps to play, I'm just not so sure that they can do that, to be honest with you. This Brighton team, when they're good, they're great. And they pick on teams like this. Like, look what they did against Wolves, a team that's known for their defensive organization and being difficult to break down. I mean, that's yeah. what this Everton side's supposed to be under Sean Dyche, aren't they? I just... They, they should have lost to Leicester City. James Madison should have scored the penalty. I think I'm going to go Brighton over their goal total at two and a half. I've convinced me it's myself into it. Everton's in a world of hurt. Brighton over two and a half goals scored at plus one forty two. It's a, it's a it's a big number. It's a big total. But but why not? This Brighton team just they have so many options in this group, and they keep on finding these good young players, and they're producing right now for Deserby. So let's go Brighton in the goal total. Is that an audacious bet? What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, that, I'm not sure I would go for that necessarily. But like you say, I mean, the Brighton attack has been great this season with the various options um, that they've got. And uh, I think, you know, when you've uh, followed Brighton for a long time, if you follow Brighton, the data, you'll know that they often have these games at home where they'll rack up two or three XG and end up drawing nil-nil or something like that. Um, but I don't think that will happen here with Everton's defence. But uh, I think it's a big ask for them to score three, but... As you say, Leicester really should have. And uh, so if they can, then Brighton can. Right. Uh, So that's the board for the weekend. Uh, Great job, Andrew, as always. I'm a little bit disappointed. I don't think we had those uh, coronation, the the, the, the king, the crown puns. So we'll just say you're the king of the podcast. I hope that you bet the, I hope hope that you played the under. I hope that you played the under uh, this one. So. I guess we, yeah, we'll have to crown Erling Haaland as the new king uh, goal scorer in a Premier League season, won't we, after his goal the other night? So, um, yeah, there, there's a couple. But, uh, yeah, we, we didn't quite hit the coronation puns, unfortunately. What, what, sorry, just that's a good way to close out this podcast. Erling Haaland, now the most goals scored in a Premier League season. His XG on the season, uh, just wanted to bring that up, is 28.44. That's more goals than the next highest Goal scorer has scored. He's higher in XG, which is ridiculous. Based upon this, and based upon the fact that they played Leeds this weekend, I mean, how many does he score on the season? Like, it's not out of the realm of the possibility for him to cover 40 and then some. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he could easily get a hat trick or more this weekend, as we say, perhaps get withdrawn early with, with Real Madrid in mind. But I mean, yeah, five games to go. Wouldn't bet against him uh, hitting the forty mark, really, with the with a relatively kind uh, run in as well. So um, yeah, it's just just incredible what he's achieved. I haven't checked the up to date figures, but he, he's converted something like two thirds of his shots on target when you nice. know the average conversion rate's about thirty percent, and he's up at something like sixty sixty five percent for converting shots on target. I mean, it is crazy the numbers because his you know his his numbers haven't changed all that much from 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 his Dortmund days in terms of you know shots per game and chance quality and all these things, but you know it's just yeah incredible what he's done and um, you know how old is he twenty two twenty three I mean he could be putting these numbers up for the next you know decade quite easily so um, yeah every record that Ronaldo and Messi uh, have set uh, has to be considered to be under threat with how he's done this season and with you know Crazy. what what lies ahead. Uh, I, I mean, staying healthy is probably the biggest question about him, that physique, that body. But right now, 
it is scary what he's actually producing. And guess who he plays next weekend in the Premier League? Everton. So you're right. You're right. Maybe it's a short, you know, short appearance. Uh, Alvarez, another great option in attack as they play Leeds this weekend. As always, the odds are correct at the time of recording, and please gamble within your means. We'll do it all again next week. In the meantime, please check out our Champions League betting blueprint podcast, Real Madrid, Manchester City, City, and the Milan Derby. Both play out next week. Andrew and I broke them all down for your listening and viewing pleasure. Give us a like, tell your friends, and follow Pinnacle across their social channels. This has been EPL Insights with Data provided by InfoGoal.